0: This episode with Elizabeth Gooch, Angel Investor, was recorded back in February in the pre COVID crisis world. But Elizabeth's story and her advice to startups seeking angel investment will be highly relevant once we come out of lockdown. So have a listen. If you are interested in COVID crisis advice as a startup or an angel, check out episode 76. It's with Jenny Truth, OBE. She's CEO of the UK Business Angels, and she covers that topic in detail for you. I'm Patricia Keating. Week to week, we use this podcast to delve into the challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. This is Fast Forward. Welcome back to the Fast Forward podcast and the second in our dedicated series looking at angel investment in partnership with the UK Business Angels. This week, we're speaking to an angel and what they look for in a startup, what makes them uh, part with their hard-earned cash and take a punt on a new business. Angel investing in startups is accelerating. There's plenty of it going on and there's more angels coming into the scene. And I'm sure by... That's been helped by high-profile success stories like Uber, WhatsApp, Facebook, and more local uh, stories like Dr. Fertility. So what does it take to become an angel? And then once you do decide to do that, how do you decide to invest in startups and what should you be looking for? Today's guest is an omnipotent angel. Elizabeth Gooch, MBA, founded a global tech firm, EG Solutions, in 1988, and That organization grew to turn over £11 million before it was acquired in 2017. She's taken all of that experience and put it into the tech growth factory to help turn young companies into thriving businesses and help founders to achieve their dreams. She joins me now to give give us her insight on what it means to become an angel investor. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, thank you for having me. There's so many things that I'd love to talk to you about, but um, I think today we have to focal, focus on your angel, uh, your okay. angel experience, uh, because you have so much expertise to share. Um, you've had a prolific career. Um, you launched EG Solutions back in 1988. You floated it on the stock exchange, um, and then it was sold to the US tech firm Ferent in 2017. That whole experience that you've gained during that time, undoubtedly invaluable um both the good and bad bits but um and that is another podcast <laughs> I think entirely um but from that moment when you when that exit happened and you had this new opportunity to go into something new what made you decide angel
1: investing was the way for you um I'm not 100% sure I knew what I wanted to do when I came out of EG I mean it happened very quickly the acquisition can um, we talk about that just a little yeah, bit sure yeah yeah, yeah. so um the acquisition happened quickly. It was a firm who'd actually approached us previously and um, they came back again with, a you know, a better and improved offer and with their shareholders basically, um, I think, wanted wanted to exit. And I mm. think, you know, that's that's something to have in mind about angels is actually they're in it for a return and there will be an exit at some point. So I wasn't ready to sell, didn't want to sell um but some some of the investors did mm. and so as a ceo you have to be mindful of the fact that you're managing other stakeholders not just yourself yeah and you know those investors have supported me along the way and they obviously wanted a return at some point so yeah. you the, wouldn't be in that position at all had they not no, been on board no yeah. not at all so the decision was made that it was the you know the right thing to do and once the decision was made it happened really quickly um and so i was a bit sort of you know man and man and girl or girl and bit sort of not really sure what I wanted to do after that and um, probably should have taken six months off and gone on holiday actually that was probably (laughs) what everybody said I should have done yeah my life is full of should have done's actually um, and learning from the mistakes Um, but um, while I was in that sort of trying to work out what to do Mm. I um, was introduced to a small tech company in Manchester Um, by our accountants who were rsm yeah who said you know they just won um won some awards they got some seed money they needed a bit of advice etc would i be interested in getting involved with them and so had meetings with them and that sort of started me off on the first one Mm. and my old chairman from it from eg he introduced me to someone else and before you know it you suddenly gathered around you a little group of people that need help and the value system that I have is actually about making a difference is about is my second primary value um and um you know it's it's really important to me to to give value and to help people and to help people to help themselves so it sort of all came together as a it was the right thing to do um and so that's that's what that's what got it started other people really
0: yeah so Actually, if we think about that, you didn't actually make some momentous decision to say, hey, "I'm going to be a common angel investor." No, kind of just no. situations no. presented themselves, and yeah. That's what you find. To start at what with, point did you
1: learn you were an angel, or did you know about angels? I at think that it's that something point? to do with you actually. Absolutely Is my fault? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Called an angel. You're an angel. Because um, you the, are an angel. Yeah, but most people call me a little devil. Actually, so to be called an angel yeah. is quite is quite novel and quite interesting. But um, yeah, so I suppose I fall into the category of being an angel. Yeah, almost um, like accidentally. Yeah. You've yeah, you realise that's what it yeah. was. Yeah, I'm not very good at being falling into a category. I'd like to make my own oh, path yes. in the world. Oh, so. definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's how it, that's how it happened. Anyway. Yeah,
0: but I think that's I think when you're getting into something for the first time, it can happen that way that you're doing something but you don't realise that's that it has a name. Like I yeah. didn't know when I was launching our startup back in Northern Ireland that I was building a digital e-commerce platform and that I was bootstrapping the company because I thought it was just starting to become a business owner I didn't realize it had names so it's other people have given educated
1: me on the labels of what I was I think that's actually a key thing that most entrepreneurs learn you mostly set out to do something and it ends up becoming something else yeah not necessarily massively divergent from what you set out to do but the people who you start to do it with and for they t- sort of define what your business should be. They finish off your proposition, and that's the mm. key thing that I'm helping angels with. Actually, so, so what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And mm. um, if you're solving that problem, how do you know that you've solved it? And how do you communicate that that's what you actually do? Yeah, so that's a you know it's a number one thing. Yeah, but just going back to falling into things, the other thing about it is I didn't think I was good enough to do it. And that's you know that's this whole and I you know people talk about imposter syndrome I just yeah. talk about it feeling like rubbish yeah you know I don't I don't necessarily put a label on it it yeah. just didn't think I was good enough to to help anyone so there was a whole confidence thing coming out of EG where I knew who I was had a role had yeah. a title had a history
0: yeah
1: and everything that went with it for good or ill yeah you suddenly in a greenfield site with nothing and um and and you need to carve a new path and my path sort of opened up for me and for a good part of that, I wasn't actually sure that I was good enough to do anything yeah. meaningful. And it's only through evidence and I have to have evidence of what I've done to believe in myself. Yeah. It's only through having that evidence that I've actually now settled into. i this, yeah. this is what I do. I'm comfortable in this. And though. I can do this for more people than I have done so far. Yeah. Which um, take you know, is the bigger opportunities. and. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sizist, yeah. um, you know, I'm, the one thing that I've done is is decide to work in the, the, the start-up market. And it's a probably a little bit past start-up in your definition of the yeah. words. But actually I've decided to work in what I call the dirty end because there's not many people that have got the experience of start-up that want to actually work at that level. You know, a lot of people have gravitated up and want to stay higher up. And I could have done that. And I was offered roles to do that. Yeah, But actually I found it quite boring because the cut and thrust of Small business actually really motivates me, and I know how to get from A to B to Z yeah. to D. You know, I know how to get on those steps to actually get businesses going. We got back to the heart yeah. of what you yeah. did at EG, yeah. which is started up from you know launch it from yourself n- and from nothing. And actually, yeah. we had you mentioned the when we started, but actually, we started as a management consultancy. We didn't become a software business until two thousand, mm. and you know, we started our software business in. The days when you know there wasn't any money around, yeah, Um, which there was you know, barely the internet. <laughs> there was no internet. Yeah. There were no networks. It yeah. was standalone software on Radio Shack terminals. Believe it or not. Wow. So you know, I'm that old. You know, there was no. <laughs> I just, God, don't don't mention that because you make showing your age. But that's that's yeah, that is the reality of it. Yeah. So we. Then sort of became a SaaS business in 2012. So you just keep reiterating and and changing your business as you go forward, and that's just the, you know, it's just the way it is. So let's go back to that
0: first investment. Um, yeah. So RSM Tenon, you know, at this stage you're not into investing. They're just presenting interesting yes. opportunities to a new high net worth in their portfolio. Yeah. Um, so they introduced you. What happened next? Like, how did you get started? When did you decide to invest in them? You know, how did you get, how
1: were you involved with them? Yeah. And can you tell us who the company was? Yeah, I can. Yep. And they weren't actually my first. Oh. They were the first business that I was introduced to, but actually the third that I invested in. Okay. Um, and it's Nevo. So, um, okay, yeah. know, a very well-known Manchester yet. business. Yep. And I thought, you know, relevant to today because it's close to home. Um so yeah it was it was NEVO. So the introduction was uh, December twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. And it was in the Malmaison and it was in a bar and we had a coffee with Michael and it was all sort of, yeah, yeah, nice to know you, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. you know, Yeah, lovely. And I guess for Michael, he's been introduced to loads of people. Michael's yeah. the CEO. He's been introduced to loads of people who can help and I'm yeah. doing sort of rabbit's ears because you get a lot of that. There's all these people that can Thanks, help. Thanks, that works well for the podcast. And, <laughs> <laughs> I don't the podcast um, so I don't, I don't think that... Um, I, putting myself in his shoes. Mm. Yeah, you know, he's introduced to a lot of people. He's got his seed money and he's got in his mind a dream of what he wants to create and he's trying to pick which where he goes from there. So it was a very low-key meeting. It was, you know, this is what I do. I can help with this, whatever, whatever. And it was early the following year that we had another meeting. Um and uh, to start with and for a year more or less, um we were just meeting and talking and sharing ideas, and I you know offering help and so on and so forth. yeah, so I introduced Michael to um some really um high sort of high quality analysts in customer experience who helped to look at the business, helped to challenge him and the team on what their proposition was and what was the right part of the market they could go after, and so on, and it wasn't until we they felt their way through and got moving that, you know, that they really decided, well, now we're ready for the investment. So their plan was, um, you know, define what the market is that we want to go after and what is the problem that we're trying to solve and then go out there and get early adopter clients. Mm -hmm. They got early. I mean, their story is phenomenal, I have to say. But, you know, they set a target of getting three, we, we said three early adopters they set their own target of five by July. Yeah, They ended up with 15. 11 of them pay, became paying customers by September. Yeah, And they're like, oh, my God, we're off. Oh, we now need to get the money. Yeah, we would get the money. And fair play to them. You know, they had spent a lot of time nurturing um, angels and institutions along their journey. So they had done a really good job of paving the way for we now need that money. And they just needed a bit of help, really, to to get that deal, that that first big investment closed that second yeah. round closed for them um you know and I'm pleased to say that I was actually able to help them with that so I came in as part of that yeah that next round and sit on the board with them now um monitoring and representing other angels yeah um, so are you the lead
0: them. angel in a syndicate that has invested in that? Yeah
1: I'm the lead angel in a syndicate and um Alongside, you know, other institution investors and other people around the table. So, a lead angel is a um, a person who represents the interests of other angels. They will be an investor themselves, um, and they will liaise with and often partner with. Um, in, and in the case of Nevo, it was Angel Cofund. So, you mm-hmm. know, their requirements are a lead angel who has the ability to help that company to deliver on its promises and its plan, mm-hmm. take that forward. Um, but also bring in other angels along with them so yeah. that the uh, angel co fund have got other investors around the table. In the case of Nevo, I mean they had a they've got a fantastic uh, cap table yes. with some great investors in it. Um, which you know, I helped to encourage them to do yeah. because you know it helps people to grow up, helps businesses to grow up to get that. Yeah. So, you know, that's what uh, a lead does. And a syndicate is a group of angels who all work together and often make decisions jointly to to invest in companies. Do angel syndicates have to be fixed or can they be quite
0: fluid in terms of like, you know, could you jump into like a a syndicate for a particular investment and yeah. then jump yeah. into another one? Yeah. So they're not yeah. fixed. No, not yeah, fixed. So it's at all. just no people collaborate together. The
1: I- the ideal scenario would be that you you work together as a group. I mean I'm trying now to build a reputation for Investing in and helping businesses where you can see clear progression mm-hmm. and clear increases in value. So that's just something that I'm trying to do because I've now got two propositions. I've got what's my proposition to the companies I'm helping, yeah, and what's my proposition to the investors who are backing the yes. companies that I'm working with, yeah. And Why should know, they invest with yeah, you, yeah. yeah? And my reputation of making sure that they get a return is that you know is really important. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sort of definitely sort of sit there as. Well, I'm not judge and jury, but you know, you sort of sit there yeah. as the the independent view between the shareholders and the company to make sure that the thing is moving forward and helping those companies to grow and deliver on their plans. Yeah, and ultimately, the reason you do it is to help entrepreneurs achieve their goals. Um, you know, when they don't have all the skills when you start, I wish I'd had some of the support that's actually around now. Mm. In many respects, it was easier for me than starting now. But in other respects in what it way? was harder. In what way? Um well easier it's easier in the sense of there's so much more money around to support young companies, young tech companies, and so yes. many more support groups. Look at the stuff that you do, you know, phenomenal um advice, etc. It just wasn't there. Mm. Um easier in the sense of there weren't many people doing it back then, not yeah. as many, and there were certainly hardly any women doing it. Yeah. So it was a little bit different, and being different is actually quite helpful. Yeah. Um, so it's actually you know there's not many people selling into or not many people selling new tech products into financial services, which was our core. Uh, core market nowadays. Yeah. There's hundreds, hundreds. of t- fintechs, and yeah. you know, how do you pick your fintech to be able to help you go forward? Yeah, it's a needle in a haystack. In, in you know, in a haystack of needles. <laughs> yeah, it is. in my, in my day, it, was, it makes me now sound like my age. No, but, in, but you were ahead of the curve. Yeah, and you took advantage yeah, of that. Yeah, and you capitalized
0: it. on it, and you created yeah. a, an amazing business off the back of it. Yeah, so there's a easy. big difference between being at that point and doing something about it and not doing something about it. There's yeah. a million, you know you know, Blockbuster, Kodak, you know, we could name a million people who didn't
1: see it. I Um, I learned many years ago, one of my key sort of mantra, and you know, if many of my people were listening to this, it would all be raising their eyebrows. Action is the key. You know, if you mm -hmm. don't do anything, it doesn't matter how big your black book is or what knowledge you've got. If you don't use it and monetize it, then, you know, you're wasting your time really. Yeah, you're just a storyteller. Yeah,
0: So... For budding angels who are thinking about or don't realize that they could be angels, um, you know, people who've got a bit of money and aren't maybe hadn't really considered investment as a as a pathway, um, let's talk about maybe some of the sort of key signposts for them. You know, is there a typical amount that an angel should invest if they were thinking about doing their first investment or two? Is there a fixed number? What way does investment work? How do you decide how much you're going to invest?
1: I think you should only invest money that you can afford to lose i mean that's the i mean all all investors will say that to you mm-hmm. because there is still risk even if you've got you know people on the board that are helping you et cetera et cetera um that know what they're doing then you, there is still risk um business is risky that's what it's about so you don't invest money that you can't afford to lose so start with that mm-hmm. um I don't think there's a minimum. Um, it depends on your background, your experience and how you choose to do it. If you're going in on your own or if you're going in as a syndicate. you know. Yeah. Or, Would you, you
0: recommend angels going in alone?
1: Um, well, I think the first step for entrepreneurs is to look for friends and family mm. to to actually come into that to help them. And the reason for that is it's the easy money. People yeah. know you, they trust you, and they're very likely to give you a punt on something that is a concept rather than a product. And they are angels. And the end yeah. of the day, they might be they friends are. and family, <laughs> and they might be saying, "Oh, yeah, I'll give you this money." But they are angels, and they should be treated as so as such. Um, and and should be treated. I mean, that's one of the piece of advice I would give to any entrepreneur: is actually start when you first take money, treat it seriously, treat it like it's precious, yeah. that it's someone else's and it's there for you to give them back more than they, they, they actually gave you in the first place. Mm-hmm. So even if it's from your mom and dad, you know, make sure you do it on a sort of a formal footing so that people know what to expect and, you know, what you're going to do mm-hmm. so that you don't get that, you know, sometimes you might get it thrown back in your face Oh, I lent you that money, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Make it professional right from the start so, but even those people are angels so you know an entrepreneur should treat them as they are an angel um so does it does it matter how much you start with no i don't think it does i don't think there's an entry point yeah that's whatever says, you're comfortable with it's what you're comfortable with what you can afford yeah. and um whatever you need to get started but get yeah. started i think is the key thing get started because it's a it's a fantastic thing to do yeah and it sounds like it's hugely rewarding yeah So what do you look for
0: in entrepreneurs or what should angels be looking for um, in the entrepreneurs that they invest in?
1: Well, as I say, I think it depends where the angel uh, um, is, where they start from themselves. If it's not mum and dad. Yeah, if it's not (laughs) mum and dad. So... you know, some some angels will be professional angels. So they've done it many times before. They will have a set criteria mm-hmm. um, of the things that they want the companies to meet. I think they'll have it in their mind what sort of things they like to invest in. So I think yeah. they know. I've developed my own as I've gone along, um, starting with, you know, It just started with a blank sheet of paper, really. And it sort of emerged. And I don't think it emerged in the sense of I only want to work with this, this, this and this. It emerged in the sense of where do I fit best and where can I help best? Um, Because I'm not just a straightforward angel. I'm angel plus help. um, And that's the role that I want to be. Um, So you know if you're just going to be an angel that just writes a check and and lets somebody else look after it and not worry about it that's potentially different set of requirements to the ones that that I would have mm. so again i think it starts where you come from and and what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve but as a as a starting out never never invested before as an angel i think potentially join a group join an, you know if you're wanting to do it never done it before and have got no skills and knowledge of how investment into businesses works join a group you know that's the place to join an angel group and that's you know that's the way to to take it forward and learn and just observe as most most groups will allow you to join and not invest for a period so you can go and have a long and have a look and see what you think nice is there
0: things that angels can ask of founders you know can they is there like a set of expectations or you know in return for this money I expect or you know in terms of what you can ask off the founder or is that something that's mutually agreed on a
1: case by case
0: I think there's
1: what can founders expect I think there's a couple of things before we actually get to that um which is I have meetings with um founders who is my first meeting and they're basically expecting to show me a deck and get me to write a check And I just say to them, look, this is like asking for sex on the first date. (laughs) I'm not being rude, but I don't know you. It's not a marriage. (laughs) And I wouldn't marry you and I wouldn't give you my money until I know more about you and I know more about your company. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there's a, you need, as both the angel and the founder, there should be a getting to know you period. It's not just about, you know, I meet you and I write you a cheque. And I think if you do do that as an angel, new in, you are just adding to the risk completely Um, so I think that's that's the first thing is, you know, you know don't expect the money straight away. Um,
0: well, the Neva one you just described it was a year.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. a year, but that wasn't, it actually wasn't um, me not wanting to invest or them wanting the money and me not giving it to them. Yeah. Although it did get to that point later on, when we were trying <laughs> to close the round and we had, you know, trying to corral a number of investors is actually like, you know, chase, chasing leads around a windy park, <laughs> and um, you know, Mark, and Michael's like, "I need the money. Give me the money." Um, and you know, they they yeah. absolutely did. And and in many respects, there was a delay, and the delay, you know, that needs to be factored into plans for uh, founders because yeah. getting the money when you want it always takes longer than you think, and getting it over the line. So you know that it was a. Apart from that last period, I think it was the right thing. You know, when is the right time to get the investment? And they'd already got some seed money at that point. So, you know, get, getting to know the, the company is really important. And for me, as an angel, the number one thing that I actually start with is actually do I like these people? Yeah. And that may sound really bizarre because, you know, do you need to like people that you're going to work with? But I think, yes, you do, because in the sort of startup world, there will be bumps in the road and you've got to have a relationship where you can mutually respect each other and like each other. Yeah. So I actually feel it's not a, a quick, it shouldn't be a quick decision to hand over the money. It should be on both sides a getting to know you, period, and actually work out, do I like this company? And um, My chairman actually gave has sort of five things and he actually starts with, do I like them? And he says, sometimes I'll get through a process and I'll be talking to people and I'll be you know getting more information from them and i just work out i don't like you and so i'm just <laughs> not going to invest in you yeah. and you know i think that's important you know because there has to be that sort of joined up joined up thinking yeah, there needs to be a base level yeah.
0: of, of yeah. Com- like yeah understanding yeah. and connection and I, to get you through the rough times,
1: yeah, to get you through. And I think I must stress that's because I'm a sort of angel plus type person. Mm. If I was, you know, you know, super wealthy, and this was a small amount of money, and I'm putting it through a family office, then you know, I might have a different set of criteria, and then liking them may not be important because yeah. someone else is managing that money. So it really does depend who you are, yeah. But you have a you fund are. manager that's managing everything. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. it's yeah. the
0: fund manager. Do they like them? <laughs> Well, you want them to like them
1: yeah i mean i had a love hate relationship with my with some of my friend <laughs> managers the one particularly was and, and, and you know i actually loved him and he loved me i'm sure of it i Hi, did him but every time i saw him he would just say, i know you hate me i know you hate me and we would start with that conversation Aww. in that way so but if you can have that sort of open relationship yeah. with people you really get to understand you know who they are and what makes them tick and i think understanding their values is another good thing For angels, so for me, not just do I like them, but actually, do our aspirations fit? Yeah. Um, I've just used a a bit of a case study, really. A company I've met recently, where there are two people in two founders, um, and the one wants to make mega money, and he wants to be famous, and the other one is actually quite happy just to plod along. And if it got to a certain point, they he would, he would actually sell. You know, they're clearly not aligned yeah. themselves. So you can immediately see that, that at some point there's not necessarily an immediate problem for the short term, but for the longer term, there could well be. And when push comes to shove and it gets tough, you know, are they really all both going to pitch in and, and yeah. do it? You that And would ne- that
0: put you off investing in that type of company? Not,
1: not necessarily. In fact, yeah. um, I think for angels to know... I actually should say that in EG, about 15% of our shares were free float and owned by retail investors, Okay, um, of, of which they would class themselves as angels. They were the toughest group to present to and report back to twice a year. Tougher than any institution. And I think, well, first of all, it starts off, it's their money. Yeah. And they they seem to be just really strict on you know what and I think because it is their money rather than a fund manager managing a fund on behalf yeah, of people who don't or, have an emotional relationship with that money that so they have, have worked hard to earn hundred percent hundred percent so I think they they that's why they're so tough um, and I think you know just justifiably so that's that that's the right way so I think as an as a, a founder you've got to be prepared for the angels wanting to know lots of detail and ask lots of questions. Um, you know, and have that and and you share that. Mm. So um, would it put me off? No, because these small companies are not perfect, right? So a a lot of angels and these retail investors will go in with a list of things that they want to tick off, tick, 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 tick. They're going to fail. Founders are going to fail. The reason they are startups is because they don't have these things in place. So for me, it's a decision around if I know what the things are that are missing, can these things be put in place? over this journey in the next two to three years? Because yeah. I look at that, I don't look at 10 million, you know, every decade that you get has got yeah. this huge oh, hockey stick like, in it. And you're yeah. like, okay, the next steps are these, are the next steps. Can we put these things right in that period and get from A to B mm. so that we actually increase the value of the business and get it on its steps to the next journey? So as long as I can see what they are, know what the problems are, and the team are willing to work with me and or whoever else to be able to address those things, then I might still invest. So it's not I don't look for a perfect company. I'm looking for people who are willing to learn. Yeah. And you know, acknowledge that things need to to be done in order to get from A to B.
0: Yeah. Now how do the how do the investments get in touch with you? How do the entrepreneurs get in touch with you? How do they find you? Is it like do they drop you like email is it like a blind copy email is it you know what's the best way to approach an angel how what's been the most kind of most impactful approaches that you've had and if it has been through email did any of them stand out and why
1: or not uh, i would say the majority come through linkedin linkedin seems to be the go-to place that startups are actually working Mm -hmm. for me um network is another one so i go to a lot of groups meetings yeah. etc and get introduced as da, 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 you know so i get yeah. through there um i don't think there's any single source to be honest that is more well, to start with i'm not i don't have to currently go out there looking for more they are coming to me and yeah. there is more coming to me than actually i'm interested in progressing and moving forward currently yeah. um so i i think it's just a sort of process where there, there's a lot of it about and you're working out which are the right ones
0: yeah and what would you make you reject an investment like so obviously you've got more investment opportunities than you know that yeah. you have capacity to particularly because of your approach because you're an angel plus support yes. you know so you're hands-on so that means that you have an infinite amount of time No, is it infinite i'm not sure what the finite, word is. finite. finite. <laughs> that's it <laughs> yes a finite amount of time that yeah. you can dedicate, So I mean, that will determine how many investments that you're potentially working with at any yes. one time, would that be right?
1: Um, I think it they can, they can be at different stages. Mm-hmm. So I think that because of the, the amount of effort that's required. So perhaps if I just back up and explain, yeah. actually, so what I do now is I, I work as an advisor to help companies get ready to, to get investment. Okay, and then help them to go out and get that investment to get it converted, and then yeah. I may sit on the board or be a monitor of some description thereafter, but not necessarily. Yeah. So although I've invested in three myself, I've helped ten, eleven, um, actually in that process, two or three of which I've actually walked away from. Okay. As you go through, you know, through the through the phases, yeah, through, through that.
0: But they have through your help, then still find the, the investment that they wanted. You just weren't part of that. Active investment, is that right?
1: Well, one actually went into liquidation and okay. that and that was quite a sad story actually where we'd got the investment lined up and the founder decided to liquidate the business rather than take wow. the investment. So the first flag I will talk about is history in a company. Um, and nothing's ever straightforward in new businesses when you start them. Yeah, But you start to find complexity that's not explainable. Then that starts to create a bit of a red flag. And what investors like to see is something that's clean. And if there's dirty bits, why were they there? And what did you do about them? Mm. So that's fine. But if you've got a business that's you know, um, you know, I don't know, there are two or three companies in the group, and the IP sits in one part, and the investment is going into another part. Yeah. you're like whoa, 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 all oh, very mummy. It's too muddy, and you know that's just that's just messy. So I'm not saying that I have to have it nice and clean. I don't mind being part of the cleaner act; that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But you know, getting it ready for investment yeah. is part of that. And they are they're typically not startups. They're typically they've got some revenue. And they're into sort of scale up territory. Mm. But strange things go on in in companies like the equity gets given away too soon to you know founders or directors that have been bought in and then gone and. They hold in those shares and they've got a yeah. strangle over the company. And, <laughs> the uh, cap table's a mess. Cap table is a mess. That we've got employment issues with the person who's left before. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the history of how where we've come from and where we've got to, however short that is, is important. So I think that's probably the start. Of red flags. Yeah. Mm. And I think the second red flag is about um accounting. Um and you know, that's something that I get all of my firms and anyone that I work with to do really early on because uh, number one it becomes an asset in the business I mean financial reporting I'm going to use the word governance with a small g Mm -hmm. it's seen as you know as a stranglehold oh it's big company stuff it's going to cost us money but actually it's an asset it's part of the credentials of having a business and it shows to investors whether they're angels or institutions that you are serious about the business part as well as spending money on the tech side yeah so i get them to do the financial reporting and you find all sorts of strange things that might <laughs> have gone on um and my, hey, explain this like yeah, explain yeah, this director's yeah. loan what's this <laughs> a director's loan but it's also investors money come in and we're paying out like nine thousand pound a month to you know to my yeah. wife for doing hr <laughs> and you're like okay, okay okay we need to stop some of that yeah um and so some of that um, is about educating a founder, and mm-hmm. you know you're going to
0: okay. start.ing
1: Well, it might be okay. Yeah. Actually, it's okay as long as you don't take anyone else's money. If yeah. you can do what you like, yeah. it's your business. Yeah. But the minute you start to take someone else's money, you have to start to grow up and behave in a different yeah. way. Well, you're
0: looking after the money for them.
1: Yeah, which which circles back to you know, do I like them? Because if they start to react and kick off at that sort of thing, you know, yeah. well, well, you haven't even Rail got flag. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't even got out there in front of. You know, angels, it was a group on Friday taking a company we were presenting and they were really, really tough, you know, really tough questions. So if you can't answer the questions that I'm asking or reacting badly, mm. you're not going to get on well you're with a group free. of angels to get you know, to get the money. OK, so get in shape with Elizabeth Gitch, sounds get like in Get yeah, in shape, yeah, well, we've already talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> Different
0: podcast. <Yeah. laughs> OK, so um, as an angel or a syndicate or whatever, with the investment yeah. that has been made that you are going to um, make an investment, um, what kind of legal documents um, should, as a group or as an individual, should you be reviewing um, and conducting um, as part of that process? Yeah. Um, I've And I particularly want to talk about shareholder agreements okay. as well in there because uh, I've met so many startups that have, fall and file because they didn't have one. Yeah. Um, particularly with the if it was a co-founded business. Yeah and how wow. that
1: scuppers it later down line. I think you have hit the nail on the head really. I mean um, the shareholder agreement, if we just talk about that quickly, um, that's the thing that takes the time. Um, you know, getting it drafted and then when you get it round the um various investors that are coming in and you know some some of them will have requirements that they want to see built into those whether they're an angel or an institution, you will get that mm-hmm. feedback and you change this. That, 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 That's the bit that takes the time at the end. So if you leave the drafting of the shareholder agreement until you've got, you know, sort of soft commitments to money, you're building a delay into the process in which time, you know, that money can go somewhere else because money will yeah. m- move quickly. So I think number one recommendation is get your documentation sorted early. So you set out and understand what you are happy to commit to and what you're not happy to commit to and why, and what you might compromise on, um, you know, right from an early stage. So key documents for me are the pitch deck. You mm-hmm. could have a whole podcast on pitch decks <laughs> and what I'll invite you back for that. <laughs> so the pitch deck. So pitch deck. Um, the business plan, mm-hmm. and by that I mean the financial forecast, yeah. um, so you know nobody wants i've I've been given a twenty page Ugh. business plan to read. nobody what, reads them. you know at Nevo, we have two sides of A four as yeah. a business plan, and the guys are like, we don't want to write a business plan like, we we do want to write it because then we all know clear on it but two pages, yeah. is enough with just bullet points. this is what we're trying to achieve in the next period, mm-hmm. but that needs to be backed up by the financials and as I've mentioned, the history. Is important. So, Mm -hmm. and everything in the history needs to align up with what you're saying you've done before, and then your future forecast. So your P and L, your balance sheet, your cash flow, showing where you're going to get to. Your KPIs. What are the key metrics that we'll use to measure success? Those are you know and not vanity (laughs) ones. And then and also obviously the um, the shareholder agreement or whatever instrument it is that Mm -hmm. you're actually going to use. Uh, but, yeah, that, those things, get them ready. Get yeah. them ready as soon as. And then you're ready to go um, when you get into those conversations. Because how I like to work is you get in front of someone and they go, yeah, I'm interested. So we'll send you said, we'll send you the shareholder agreement to review. You're trying, It's a sales process at the end yeah. of the day. We're going to try and close this. Um, and you might want to see a range of people first and get an indication of you know how people support your valuation. But the sooner people have got those documents to to read the quicker you can get it get it closed and what about evaluate uh, valuations then
0: how do how do both parties or multiple parties come to a mutual agreement on that you know i, I would imagine many startups come to you and they say no i've got a 5 million or 10 million pound company and they're maybe still at concept or MVP <laughs> or something yeah. like that how yeah. do you how does that whole process work
1: um well it's a dis- it's a discussion, and it can be as jovial or as um um sort of antagonistic as you want it to be, really, but I guess every most pitch decks that you see have two documents in them that annoy me the hell out of me actually. one is it'll have a garden a magic quadrant that always shows the company in the top right and everybody else in the left. <laughs> Um, on the left side. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so. and
0: don't have Gartner in your pitch legs. Got it. We've got,
1: we got, we got a Gartner magic Quadrant. Okay, yeah. so why are we up there? You know, let's, let's break this down into what is your USP versus yeah. what other people are saying. Um, the second slide that always annoys me is the hockey stick that shows I'm starting <laughs> from, you know, 5K a month um, MRR, or 5K yeah. MRR, and I'm going to be a 10 million turnover company in three years. And you're like, Okay. Yeah, um, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. You know, you may get there. Why do you there. need investment? You know, there, <laughs> there, I'm, obviously, there are businesses that do do yeah. that. But, um, you know, not unicorns are like rock stars. There are not that many rock stars yeah. in the world. There They're are the many, exception. many bands that, you know, have support that music community to make the rock star the rock star. Mm. And you may well fall into that category of just being a a business that makes money for you and the original shareholders. Yeah. You know, and that might be, you know, and that's um, okay. And that's okay. It's good. Yeah. It's actually good because yeah, we, we, we don't want lots, lots and lots of bands. We don't want lots of Americans buying our businesses, do we? No. And if we if we have <laughs> lots and lots of unicorns, then they're not unicorns anymore. No. You no, know, they're back to being bands. All. No, not at all. We've seen what happens.
0: Now you must have seen thousands of pitches. Um, what are some of the common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're when they're pitching to you? What are the, apart from the, well, obviously in the pitch decks, those slides drive you mad. Yeah.
1: But what about the other sort of things that they might do in a pitch?
0: Number number one,
1: in? yeah, number one, they don't ask for the money and they run out of time. So, you know, you can get a lot of these six minute pitches, 10 minute pitches, 15 minute pitches. Yeah. And right at the back of the slide deck is the investment proposition. And they spent ages rabbiting about history and how great the founders are and da, 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 da all yeah. of this sort of stuff. And then they run out and Then the end, they go. Blah, 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 blah. You know. By you know, the way, I'm looking for. Blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And there's no. And everyone's sitting around. You know. Well, what up, does so. they want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I try to get that right at the front. Yeah. You know, here Please I am. Me. I'm here. This is what I do. I'm looking for, and this is why I need it, and what I'm going to do with it, and why it would be a good investment to you. And now let's go into the, you know, into the rest of the details. So. Yeah. I think everyone in the world understands now that we're doing everything in sound bites, you know. I think it's ten seconds, I've heard five seconds, I've heard three seconds. So if that's the case, why well, we've got the pitch right at the end, you know, let's put the pitch at the beginning, to swap that over. So that'd be number one. Yeah. Um, I think the second one is arrogance. So I've seen um someone stand up and say, We're very interested in having uh, you know, your money. But could you place your interest um, at the end of the meeting, and we'll decide which ones of you we <laughs> want them money from? And you're like, I just have a word with you when I get outside. Just, just goes like, back to rule number one: Do yeah. I like you? Do I like, like you? No. I no. actually told him that. I said, I do like your company. I do like what you do. And I said, but I really don't like your pitch. Just yeah, you know, just rude. rude. So, <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I think that's you know. Yeah, I think there's an. You're asking for people's money. Yeah, you don't need to sound like you're begging, but you need to be able. Li- you need to show respectful. that you're confident, but you need to respectful. be respectful of the fact that you're you're asking for money. Yeah, because the money definitely. that you've got is hard yeah. earned. Yeah, you know, very long pitch decks would be my number three, Um, including obviously the Gartner Magic Quadrant and the hockey stick. Yeah, Um and there's lots of stuff out there. You know, twelve slides is enough. The the slide the pitch deck is your is your intro. And you need to back it up with other documentation and yeah. other material, but you know it gets loads and loads of slides. That it's like
0: the it's like the subway smell so going past yeah. the subway shop, isn't it? It's like come in, come into the shop and check out more. It's like just you know, pick the interest. Yeah, I want to know more. Yeah, so um, so I think those are probably my top three. Yeah, and what about angels then? What are the mistakes that they make? Because you've been on both sides. This is what I love about talking to you. You know know it from both sides.
1: I do. I do know it from both sides. Um, And how can they
0: avoid them? Because we want more people to become angels and we want to help them.
1: I think as an angel, I get it if you're a new angel and you've never done it before and you want to go to meetings and learn about it and get comfortable with it and decide whether you're going to invest. But I go to meetings with companies and I've done it myself where you present it, and you get all of these questions, like really detailed questions from people who have absolutely no intention of investing. Oh, tire kickers. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely no interest in it at all. Um, And I think if you're in a one to one meeting, you've got an opportunity to qualify that a little bit yourself as a founder. So you can actually find out, you know, what sort of companies do you like to invest in? Do you like to invest to start with? You know, and yeah. what sort of companies do you like to invest in? What's your typical investment size? What are you looking for? And ask questions of those angels mm. so that you can find out. You know, you sort of qualify who your angel is before yeah. you Whist. before you waste <laughs> time, time with them. But yeah. also, I think look for their motives as well. So I'm quite honest about my with companies. You know, I I do this. I don't just put money in and walk away. And I don't, um, you know, I don't, I'm, and I'm here to. Um, add value as well so that's the sort of pool that I want so I think you know you, you do get angels who are who've got ulterior motives they're looking for another job it's what they say I'm you know I'm not looking for another job but I'm you know there is there is a fee attached to what I do yeah so if you want my involvement this is what it is so be upfront with that yeah and I think angels should be upfront with companies about their position rather than just sitting listening to the deck and then going I'll come back to you and I'll think about it taking ages yeah it's wasting everybody's yeah, time yeah. and energy. Yes, yeah. the
0: energy too, you know, from a finder's point of view.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's deflating. I mean, mm. people. I say if people forget it's a sales process. At the end of the day, you're selling yourself and your company. You're you're selling your equity basically to someone else in return for their cash. Yeah. So treat it as a sales process. So qualify who it is that you're speaking to, and that they have got the wherewithal to invest and take references from people who they have invested with about what they're what they're like you yeah. know there's no there's no harm in doing that
0: yeah well we've seen some serious um toxic investments that have brought down a number of manchester great aspiring startups um you know in terms of what's happened locally kettlebell kitchen being you mm. know topical one with carly and yeah um people
1: like that so hopefully. you do need to be aware i mean the guys who actually said. Fair words, we, We'll we'll decide whether we want you to invest. The sentiment was actually right. You know, that we you do need to check out who you're getting into bed with. Yeah. You absolutely do. Um, but you don't necessarily stand there and say it in yeah. the way that it's it was really high said. You, said. <laughs> was a bit, you yeah. don't say it. You just have your own thoughts and yeah. you know, your own cri- qualification criteria as to who you want to let in um into your into your company. Yeah. But you don't you just don't stand there and say it. But Yeah. And any other mistakes that angels would make. Uh, expecting a return too quickly I mean it's not just angels but I mean I've seen a recent case with a you know an institution investment where the return expected from this company in three years was huge mm-hmm. and from it was like building an apartment on the foundations of a you know a little shack out in Thailand <laughs> type of thing so you know how do you going to get that level yeah. of growth in that time with those foundations and so having the wrong expectations. So I think it's quite if an angel doesn't. If, I, I think signing up to these sort of massive achievements that might happen without a dose of realism. And I think it, I think going into companies that you don't understand as well would be another one. So if you've got some understanding of business and how how hard it is actually to grow companies, it's not a straight line. Yeah. Then you know to to just expect it to be straight line. Um, is is quite unreal. You've got to have a bit of dose of realism that it it is going to be a rocky road. And as long as the general trend is on the way up towards those targets, then patience. You know, patience is a is a virtue. Yeah. Well,
0: I think it's that it. if you have had that experience and you know that you get a buzz and that's when you are at your best, like you from the signs of it. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that you'll embrace rather than then pretend isn't going to happen. So you mentioned there about a mistake about angels having too high expectations on a return on, on investment. Um, but what is a good what is what should angels expect? What should founders expect in terms of what a good ROI or return on investment should look like or should feel like over that three
1: to five year period? um i think that depends on the scale of risk and you know and often managers what is they've got a continuum of what level of return they expect based on the amount of risk that they're taking going in so you know anything up to 10 times is you know is quite normal and greater yeah so you know it depends what the business is as well what can it re- realistically do mm-hmm. but the position that i'm the, the place that i'm trying to help in the market is actually go from um, sort of early adopter stage with a little bit of um, MRR or ARR to a million ARR in you know three to five years yeah. now that may sound like a long time and it can be done faster and that would be the plan but actually to get to that in a, in or promise investors that you're going to get to that is realistic yeah and it will give you know you can always beat a target and exceed expectations rather than over promise and under deliver yeah so I think it's actually uh, for an angel I think look for businesses that are being realistic about what they can do being realistic about where they're starting from and realistic about what they can do in the time scale that they're actually promising and then look at whether that gives you a return on your money that justifies the risk that you're taking I think that's the that's the the rules that that I would set
0: and is angel investing risky yeah like in comparison to other ways that you can invest your money like yes property yes. or whatever else people well, invest in, <laughs> yeah.
1: pensions i mean there are, <laughs> yes i think it's even even more risky mm-hmm. than the most things because it's um you know it's got people involved really and you you're putting your trust in people
0: yeah
1: not just in their uh, their skills and their ability but their integrity as well and their stickability their ability to stick it through you know, and keep and keep doing that. But that's why SEIS and EIS was created. You know, yeah. is to help mitigate some of that risk. Um, and you know, that's 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 the place that I like to to work is actually with potential EIS investments um, yeah. because you know that helps the investors. And I'm you know we've been talking to them last week about you know your, your role here is to get recycle this money. To get it out and recycle it. Put it back yes. into the system and have another go. Yeah, um, and you made some made some money on it as well. And the government has actually helped you along yeah. the way. So, you know, so if it's the...
0: successful, you'll make money. Yeah. If it's yeah. not successful, yeah. you'll get your money back. Yeah. Um, can we just explain what SEIS and EIS is?
1: Yeah, it's the Enterprise Investment Scheme and the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. Mm-hmm. So, a scheme created by uh, by the government to give tax incentives to potential angels. So, I, I believe it's fifty percent. Um, tax benefit on S E I S and 30% on EIS. Yeah. So, you know, it actually has. If you put a, a say a hundred thousand into a an, an SEIS um company, then yeah. it's potentially worth fifty thousand in in um in real money because yeah. you've got fifty percent tax allowance. Yeah. So you're um, getting you're getting yeah. that. It's almost like a guaranteed kind of security yeah. blanket.
0: Yeah. Have those um initiatives in your view and your experience of um in the angel investment market
1: now helped? Yes. That mobilisation of absolutely. money. Absolutely, absolutely. Most pay, most people start with, is it eis Is it yeah, SEIS-able? Most do. It's part of that checklist. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. So I think from what you're saying is that the risk is mitigated. It is risky um, because people are involved. Yes. But some of that, at least half of that's mitigated. Mitigated. So you've got a good chance um, for it to be profitable. Is Can it be profitable?
1: Yeah, of course it's it can. Best, of course yeah. it can be profitable. Has to be, doesn't yeah. It? Has to be, or we wouldn't do it. Would <laughs> I mean, we? Yeah. You know, it would be. But I don't know. I mean, you look at the sort of averages that you know. Fund managers will talk about in you know in a stable of ten companies, they might mm. expect two or three. Yeah. You know, one, one, to do well. one to do really well and two or three to do okay, and the rest we won't talk about. Sort of thing, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So. Yeah. You there know, are social
0: experiments. Yeah,
1: that's the yeah, that's the that's yeah. the scale. And you know, all I'm trying to do is help more startups be more successful than the 50 percent failure rate. And there's a 50 percent failure rate in startups. Full stop. Yeah. So let me help them be more successful than that. Um. And I think if we can get them to this 1 million ARR. They've got a lot of the foundations in place. Yeah. You know, I think to, we're, to be able to do that,
0: I think we're pretty aligned. At, you know, our sort of, I guess, our mission at Tech Manchester to get more startups to Progress beyond yep. the twelve months, and to educate them so that they're more prepared and can be, make better yeah. decisions to hopefully find their way to people like people like you.
1: Yeah. Well, the the big shock is they all know about tech. Yes. And they don't know a lot about business. <coughs> business. Yeah. And if you meet one that does know about business and tech, wow, you know, have a have real look at that. Grab you them. Know that, grab them. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it's uh, them. Yeah, tackle them. Yeah. yeah absolutely. The yeah. Absolutely. But but business is learnable. You know, this everybody in this world started out not knowing the things that they've become really good at so yeah. you know every founder can learn this stuff it's not it's not that hard yeah I think they what do they talk about 10,000 hours to become an expert in something so okay yeah. you just got to put the hours in and, and be open and listen and learn from people and yeah. you know get get as much advice as you can in some respects I think there's probably too much advice about it at the minute because there's so many people offering their four penneth. Yeah, um you know see the, woods for the I could trees. Be, you could be dizzy as a founder to work out which bit is the which is the thing that you should do next. that you should do next. And yeah. you know spend a little bit of time on research, but then you've got to decide and move forward. But just because you decide on one thing doesn't mean to say you can't change it as you go. Yeah. That's that's how I've moved forward in business. You know, we try things, if it doesn't work, then you just tweak yeah. or change completely if you have to and and you learn from those mistakes. And I think being successful in business is learning from the mistakes, recognise you made them, learn from them and move forward again. Nice. So
0: if you reflect back, um, Elizabeth, it's obviously been an incredible sort of two, three years into this new world. Um, What have you learned from that journey that perhaps you didn't expect at the start now that you've got uh, you've got some time to reflect on it?
1: Uh, Well, number one, I've learned actually it was a great thing to sell my company and be able to do what I do. So I feel like I think I said to you at the beginning I wasn't keen on yeah. the sale, but actually I realised that it was the right thing to do. And there is a fantastic world out there of things to be interested in. So I think the the second thing I've learned is how much there is out there to learn. Still at my stage of life, I'm just I'm not like I'm learning curve all again. Yeah. It's like a start up learning cove. Like, wow, there's all this stuff out there. So I find it yeah. really exciting, energising, energising to learn about different businesses. I've learned also about the cross transferability of different ideas from industries, which is mm-hmm. something that I always did in my company. Our, our company was founded on bringing manufacturing principles into the service sector, nicking ideas from one sector and bringing them into another, and yeah. we kept doing that all the way. And actually, b- being cross sector and able to look at different industries and different, um, you know, different companies has given me a, has opened my eyes to that even more. Um, so, you know, one of the really strange things that I got involved in was actually bringing in virtual reality into logistics amazing yeah I know and i know. just like okay aren't you really meant to drive lorries not just sit watching them (laughs) using glasses to do it on a screen it was really fabulous um so really enjoyed that um so yeah I'm I'm, so I'm getting a lot out of that personally in terms of of what I'm what I'm learning um I think it's really surprised me um how small businesses small businesses need a bit of help You know, it really surprises me that there's, there's, although there's a lot of help out there, there is a lot of noise about help and not necessarily hands-on, get-your-hands-dirty type of help. And there's not many people want to do that. I used to hear the words a lot, reputational risk, um, with people coming onto PLC boards. You know, I want to assess my reputational risk of coming Mm onto this board. And to be fair to them, you know, if you come on a PLC board, your reputation is on the line. Yeah, because there's big things that are happening yeah, in that company, which means big decisions. Big things that are happening, but also the governance requirements in PLC yeah. land are really really, you know, strict now. Yeah. Um, and I get that, but that doesn't mean dancing around the handbags. You know, at some point somebody's got to roll their hands <laughs> up that. and get, get in there and, in. and get stuck in and help. And, it, and it's mucky and it might be mucky and things might not be right. But, you know, the thing I say to my companies is, okay, it doesn't matter if you fail know why you failed and what you're doing about it it's you know failure is not a problem It's yeah. it's actually giving not up thing yeah doing something about it and and learning from it that is the that is the issue so i think i've I, you know i've learned i've learned that and I've, there's been a few sharks as well that has really surprised me as well so okay um and that's made me go oh um you know i think integrity in business is really important mm-hmm. and um you know looking after the interests of all your stakeholders is something that i've always held as a you know really high high value and um there's a few people out there that don't so that's been a bit of a surprise and a bit disappointing yeah because you come across good companies or at least companies with good products and good propositions but you can't do anything with them because they're they're lacking their moral fiber really i didn't say that or the integrity and to be able to take it forward which is a shame
0: yeah i suppose um sharks are are in every industry and in and in, and in yeah. every business, and whether it's the business that's pitching for investment or even the angels um, that are that are investing, um, but it does make you wonder why they get involved in the first place. Like for a sustainable business, it doesn't make it doesn't yeah. make for a sustainable business. Um, I could sit here all day and talk to you about any number of things, and I could be very tempted to go for a wine night. Let's do that. Um, but for um to wrap up the podcast today, um, we always like to finish with some uh, some tips and advice that um entrepreneurs who are seeking an investment or those people that are maybe have a bit of money that they can't afford to lose or are considering a new investment pathway, and this could be for them. Um, what would be the sort of couple of things that you could suggest they could go out and do um, straight after listening to this podcast?
1: I think my number one would be find an angel network and get involved with that. Um, you know, I, I work with Minerva um, that starts, you know, started from Warwick but um, Warwick University, but there are several all over the country. As UK BAA. have got lots of groups that, yeah. they, that they support. Go, go along to those, and and just sit and listen, and, and you'll find actually that it's it's uh, it, there are other people in the same position as you because you always mm-hmm. think it's only me that doesn't know. Yeah, um, and um, you'll soon learn learn from others. And and you know, if your first investment is going in as part of a syndicate, you know that's a good thing to do. Yeah, um, especially if you've got someone with skin in the game who's actually representing your interests in the company, or on the board, or as a monitor, or you know whatever their role may yeah. be. But if they understand it and they're monitoring it and they're helping you to understand and representing your interests, that's a good thing too. So go to a network, find out what goes on, get involved with the syndicate. You know, I'd definitely yeah. go there and find companies that you like, where you like the people, and you're interested in the subject. Yeah. Um. And and have a play. You know, yeah, as long as it's money. In. As long as it's not the money you need to pay the mortgage. Yes, <laughs> that's the important. Thing. Yes. Um.
0: And then for the entrepreneurs, what would be your sort of top tips for them? Oh, my very number
1: one tip would be you give away your equity last. The best place to get money from is paying customers. If you can get out there with sweat and tears, you know, blood, sweat and yeah. tears, and maybe a bit of money from friends and family where you haven't had to give away, you know, all the baby with the bath water and got rid of all your equity, go out there and get some paying customers. Yeah, that give you money. raise your money from your customers. Raise your money from your customers sure. and pricing is the number one. Thing you should get right. And entrepreneurs want to give their product away. They're so happy with it. I was that person, so happy that my product worked and people yeah. loved it. I was like, yeah, please use it. Don't pay. And I thought, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you soon learn the hard if way. you could take a time travel back to oh gosh. If I could take everything I knew now back yeah, to you, know, go we would say have been Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it again. I'd still do it. I'd still yeah. do it, but do it better. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully take all those lessons and help a few with us to to, do, to be better themselves. I have no
0: doubt that um, listeners of this podcast will become those things from listening to your advice. If you are uh, in the raising game and stressing out about what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing with angels um, or if you are that person who is thinking about dipping their toe in the water um, we hope that all of the advice that Elizabeth has shared with us today will give you a better night's sleep. Thank you Thank you to the fear from the